This morning, I want to start off. Good morning, everyone, first off. Good morning. Great to see you here today. Good to be together as God's people. Uh, still great that we're having, I don't know, do you call this extended fall or early spring at this point? It's we're early spring. I've been calling it sprinter, spring and winter. I don't know. Um, but anyway, before we get to the message this morning, I would like to give a hand to some new members of Harvest Church in Frazee. So, first on the list, and this is like from like six months ago, Matt and Jenny Gerving. Come on up, you guys. <laughs> Jenny's making Matt come up. I like it. <laughs> You've already been up? Oh, did we just forget to give it to you? Let's give them all a clap again. We appreciate them. Bree and Tucker Nundahl. You know, I got to brag about these two just a little bit because these guys were my youth group members. When I first came back to the church and was helping out, and I'm super proud of where you guys are at today. God bless you. Great to see you as a couple joining the church as a beautiful family. And we bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah. So this morning, we're continuing on with our theme in 2024 of Reach a New Level. And I'm excited that, um, by God's grace, we are going to reach new levels in the Lord. And specifically this morning, we're going to talk about seven different values that we as an eldership team um, prayed about, decided upon when we came together on our retreat away. And the first of these values is the value of unity. Um, Let's go to the next slide, because I've got the list of values there that we're going to focus on in 2024 and continuing on. So unity, number one. Boy, it's an important year to be unified, isn't it? really is. Um, second, love. You know, we are here, a common, a common thing we have together is the love of God. Very closely related, the grace of God. How many of you would say that you are thankful for God's grace for your life? Come on. Amen. Fourth, that we have a welcoming spirit and welcoming attitude as a church. You guys, that's super important. Actually, one of the things that people regularly uh, give us feedback on when they go through our Next Steps class is we are here because we feel so welcomed. You know what? We want to be that church. Amen? And so it's also, uh, I'll, let me add on to that after that. The second thing people say is they sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. You guys, that makes me so proud of who we are as a church, that people are welcomed and they sense the presence of God. You know what? We, right there, like those two things are huge. Uh, and you know what? Those things are so important that they're also things that we have to fight for. You know, we can't just let them just happen sometimes. We have to be intentional. So my encouragement is when we do that uh, good morning time in between the song, yeah, it can sometimes feel awkward, but I want to encourage you, don't let it feel awkward. Go and greet someone. Go and say hi. Be welcoming, because I truly believe we are. I know a lot of welcoming people among us. So let's, let's be welcoming each and every morning that we come together. Presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, number six being servant-hearted. Servant-hearted. Uh, love to see that. We had 80 volunteers currently. That list keeps growing. We got some servant-hearted people here. 
And seventh, this all comes together because we are based as a church on a foundation of biblical truth. You know, we're not just uh, coming up with good ideas on our own, right? That'd be a, a church headed for destruction. No, we're, we're based on God's truth found in his word. And his word is trustworthy, it's reliable, it's life-giving. It teaches us what's, what's right, what's wrong, how to get corrected, how to stay right, all those things. God's word is for us. And so we, we truly do believe in biblical truth. Um, and so we're going to stand on it. But today, we are talking about unity. And you might say, well, why is unity a value? Isn't it just something that, you know, happens? The answer is no, it doesn't just happen. We need to be intentional about being unified because unity is essential. Actually, it's one of the apologetics or reasons for faith that people can look at and not argue with. Because if you have it, they will say there is a God. And if you don't have it, they will say you're a bunch of hypocrites. Right? If you have unity, they will say there is a God I want in. If you don't have it, they will say, who do you think you are? You claim to live to a higher standard, you don't even like each other. Right? It's, it's so important. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You guys, let us be a loving church. Let us be a unified church because we love each other, because we have so many good things in common that we can fight for and fight together with. Um, I made this statement. If we don't fight for unity, disunity will fight against us. If we don't fight for unity, disunity will fight against us. Why? Because as a core, at a core, people are inherently selfish. Thank you. A few honest people in the crowd today. A few amens there. We are inherently selfish. We are inherently self-focused. We need God to redeem our selfish, fleshly man, so that we're not so self-focused, right? But, but, but like, if we're left alone, we will choose self over others. That's just how it is. And because we want to fulfill the things that our flesh is crying out for. Me, 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 my, my, my. We start it when we're two, and it doesn't really end completely. <laughs> and so we need Jesus to... To help us. James 3.16 and 17 says, For when you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. So true. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive. We submit to each other, right? Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's what we want to be walking in. That wisdom that comes from above, that loves, peace, is considerate, submitting to each other, serving one another. That's what it's about. And there's so many benefits that come from being unified. In Psalm 133, as I talked earlier today, it reads, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head. Running down the beard, I'll talk about the symbolism here. Running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. 
It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. All right, so we see in this psalm, just starting with a blessing, how good and pleasant it is when people walk together in unity. There's a blessing there. Second, it is like being anointed. What do I mean by anointed? When he's talking about the oil pouring down, there was a special kind of oil that the priests alone were anointed with, and it, it represented God's forgiveness and God's blessing and God's favor. And you know what? I want, as a church, that we have God's blessing, favor, forgiveness. We want to be a group of people that is anointed to do what God has called us to do. That, that's what unity does. It's like, it's like breaking open that flask of oil and let, it's just running all over seeps into everything, pours out of you. We want that anointing that comes from unity. There's, there's a harmony to it, a, a beautiful fragrance that comes when people walk together in unity. So we want this. Um, it's compared to dew, the dew of Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon stood above the rest of the mountains. And because of that, the clouds would hit it and it would, it would be lush and green all throughout the summer, the winter, all the time, it was lush and green. He said it was as if the dew of Hermon was resting on Mount Zion or, or Jerusalem. And, and that just represents God's refreshing. Refresh, refreshing comes to people who are unified. Right? Like when, when, when you're unified and one of you is down and another comes along to lift you up, that's refreshing. There's a refreshing that comes in the presence of God when we come together in a unified way. And so we, we want to be like that. And then lastly, it ends with just another blessing of how important it is. He says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So there's a life. So family, a church that is unified will have anointing, Refreshing and life. A church that is unified, around the right things, right? But a church that is unified will have anointing, refreshing, and life. You know what? I believe that we definitely function in a portion of that here at Harvest. But you know what? It's 2024, and we're reaching a new level. Come on. We're reaching a new level of unity, and therefore anointing, refreshing, and life. You know, it's really funny. This psalm, it's called a psalm of ascents. Not, not ascent, but ascent is in climbing. And there are a bunch of these psalms all in a row. And God called the men of Israel, and I assume they took their families with them, to come and celebrate three festivals in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 16.16, it says, each year, every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Festival of Harvest, and the Festival of Shelters, or Booths. On each of these occasions, all, must, all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he chooses, but they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for him. And so the place that they would come to is Jerusalem. It's where the temple was. And they would come up and they would celebrate three times a year for these festivals. And I mean, they're coming from all over Israel, and it's a pilgrimage. And, and it's kind of funny to me that one of these, the, the, 
the festival of shelters or festival of booths. It was to, to commemorate God's care for the people of Israel as they left Egypt and were going through the wilderness and taken to the promised land. It was to commemorate that God took care of them. And, and they did live in like tent-like structures and they were nomadic and, um, you know, as they made their journey. And so it's kind of funny to me a little bit, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to be mocking of a festival in any way of Israel. I mean, obviously, something that God created for the people of Israel. But it is kind of funny to me that they're saying this psalm, oh, how good and how pleasant it is to walk together in unity, when it's families going on a long pilgrimage all together, and they're going to spend time in a little booth for seven days. And you can just imagine, if you've ever been on a camping trip, we are a camping family. If you've ever been on a camping trip, you know that at the beginning of this trip, let, you know, let's say common Israelite family, and there's a mom and dad and a couple teenagers and a couple young kids, and they're all going on this pilgrimage together. At the beginning of the trip, dad's like, yes, Psalm 133, how good, how pleasant it is. For family to dwell together. Everyone's coming. Kids, this is going to be the best vacation you've ever had. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have so many good memories. It's going to be so life-giving. By the end of day seven in the shelter. Something tells me it was a little more drudgery to recite Psalm 133. Oh, how good and pleasant it is. To be surrounded by my moody teenagers and whiny little children and each other for seven days in a row. That's a funny thought, isn't it? <laughs> and yet, when we were young parents, we were part of a small group about raising kids and family and, and uh, relational expert, Christian relational expert, Dr. Gary Smalley. He said in one of his teachings that several years ago they had interviewed a bunch of healthy families that you could just tell there was a love and care and concern for each other. And they asked, why, do you, why are you so united? Why do you love each other? And they said, well, we do a lot of activities together. Okay, what kind? And the number one thing they did was camping. Why was it camping? Because when you camp you kind of like have little ways of suffering together. <laughs> and sometimes you have to overcome some hardships. And let me tell you, maybe you don't feel like being unified, but by the end, you, you, you like look back and you're like, that trip was the best ever. <laughs> but when you're in it, you're like, this, this is not heaven on earth. We're in a church, so I'm not going to say the app. No, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it can try you. It can be challenging to you. And yet, you know, you talk about people like in the military who have served. Why are they close? Because they fought together. They fought together. They, they had to do some things to overcome together. You know, if we are God's family on a mission. I don't know if I'll ever camp with any of you. But we do go through things that are, that are obstacles, that sometimes are like many ways of, of suffering, as in it, you get uncomfortable sometimes, right? 
You have to, you have to be real and, and open and vulnerable. And, and, and we're working together. Oftentimes, you know, in ways that maybe aren't so pleasant, but, that, but we're serving the Lord together. And you know what? There's a unity that comes out of that. There's a joy that comes out of that. And so we can say, how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. And I pray that more and more we would be unified, that we would, that we would know each other, love each other, go through things together, and overcome together. Amen? And, and it will draw us together so that we're more unified. So what are some things that, that unify us as God's church, as his body? The first is our common identity. I spoke about this some in communion, but Ephesians 2.19, you know, when we trust in Christ, we are new creations, according to 2 Corinthians 5. New creations. And so it says, this is who we are. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I love that. You know, I really believe that when there's unity and there's freedom, that that is one thing that you can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in a greater way. When we're unified and we're, we're walking together, um, I just, God's blessing rests in that place. And so we're being built together to become this dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Family, you're chosen. How many of you like the Chosen series, by the way? That's, I'm excited for season four. That'll be awesome. But you are a chosen priesthood, a royal nation, holy nation, royal priesthood. We're sons and daughters of God when it boils down to it. Because of that, we have the same dad. Jesus is our big brother, scripturally. And we have each been made holy in God's sight and are filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit as a result. You guys, if we don't think we have anything in common, we're lying to ourselves. Because you can look around the room and look at anyone here who has trusted in Christ for their salvation. You can say, you're my brother and you're my sister. You know, it is fun when you're traveling and you meet other people who are also Christ followers. There's almost like a rapport that happens spiritually. I think you can sense that. And, and, and it's powerful. And so we have, we have more in common in those things than we have in the things that would divide us. And I would encourage us, let's focus on the common things. Let's focus on the common things. Second, we have a common purpose. As Christians, we should all have a few common purposes. But one of those purposes is to become more like Jesus as his disciples. Become more like Jesus. The great commandment in Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we are all trying to become more like him. That should be a life goal, right? For everyone here. People say, what's your life goal? Everyone here's life goal should be, I want to be more like Jesus. 
When I see him face to face, I will be like him. But until then, God has us on a plan to become more like him. Sometimes he does a lot more pulling than we do pushing, right? I mean, praise God for that. But he is walking with us to become more like him. Sometimes he allows us to go through some stuff. Not saying he creates the stuff, but he allows us to go through the stuff so that we can become more like him. He refines us like a silversmith purifies silver. Heating it up, removing the dross, which is that nasty stuff on top. You know what's cool about that is you know it's refined when you see yourself in the reflection. Right? So God is sometimes allows us to go through things to refine us, to become more like him. That should be a life goal. Second, reaching the lost world around us. That is our common goal. Jesus said in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Guys, with the great commandment and great commission, we have two amazing, great, common purposes. To become more like Jesus always. Helping each other become more like Jesus, by the way. And reaching the people around us with the love and hope that Jesus offers. Those two things are enough to bring us together. Third, we share a common love. The love that God has poured out to us. In 1 John 4, 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God and them. In addition, we have a specific mission, right? We are God's family on a mission to transform Frazee and its surrounding communities with the love and hope of Jesus Christ. We believe that's why God placed Harvest on the map. God's family on a mission. Transform crazy in its surrounding communities with the love and hope of Jesus. And again, if we got nothing to offer, we can't bring any change. If we're not unified, we got nothing to offer. If there's no love, we got nothing to offer. But where there's love, let me tell you, we have life. We have truth. We have grace. We have his spirit to touch the world around us. So it's vital. So what is God's Scriptural formula for unity. Let me tell you, if we could learn and apply these verses, it would, it would up our level as being a unified people in an immense way. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Let's go to that slide, please. There we go. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault with three or more people that you have already complained to. No. <laughs> Come on, more people should have caught me on that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If you have an issue with someone, go and talk to them. Do not go and talk to someone else first. It's hard. It really is hard. Why? Because it's far more uncomfortable to go and talk to someone that has hurt you or that you're upset with than it is to just stew about it or go tell someone else. It's way easier to do that. But let me tell you, this side leads to unity. This side leads to strife and disunity. We need to be the first to hop off the gossip train 
and say, it stops with me. It stops with me. More on that to come. All right, it says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Okay, they're not listening. They, they don't think their behavior is wrong. They don't think what they said was wrong. They're, they're not willing in any way to apologize or make amends. Well, maybe you invite someone else who I will, I will say, it'd be great if they were a mature person, right, who is not also involved emotionally in the situation. You bring them along. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And this is speaking more about you know, church sin and church discipline, but it is a step. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, basically someone who doesn't know God. Okay, if we applied Matthew 18, like we would, our unity level would be, we would reach our new level tomorrow if we just learned to apply Matthew 18. Matthew 5, 9 also said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Now, this is how Scandinavian, northern Minnesotans translate this verse. Blessed are the peacekeepers, because then they'll step on no one's toes. Right? That's how we're wired, generally speaking. Minnesota nice. I once preached Minnesota nice is not so nice. <laughs> it's really not. It's really kind of just selfish. All right, so the, the Greek word there, it has the sense of peacemaker, one who restores peace and reconciliation between persons and even nations. Peacemakers. Let's be peacemakers, family. So that, that means that we might help people who are going through something by... By helping them actually confront the situation instead of avoid the situation. Amen? Things that aid unity. I think this will be helpful. Number one, think the best about people. Think the best about people. I used to not follow this very well. I'm just saying, when I was younger, I was critical to myself and therefore I was critical to the people around me. And there's no life in that. Let me tell you, there's no life in being critical. You know, we're hired, hardwired to judge ourselves more favorably and judge others more harshly. There's a term, thank you, Karen Pfeiffer, for pointing this out. There's a term that sociologists use to describe this common behavior. It's called fundamental attribution error. Error. And what it does, it's the tendency people have to overemphasize personal characteristics and ignore situational factors when judging others' behavior. Because of the fundamental attribution error, we tend to believe that others do bad things because they are bad people. We think everyone around us is a meanie. Therefore, we're inclined to ignore situational factors that might have played a role. For example, someone pulls in front of you when they're driving, and you, you think, what a jerk. I can't believe they did that. How dare they? They are bad people. But when we do it, we think, oh, I'm in a hurry. Right? Like, we give no credit to the person who pulled in front of us and think what their situation might be. Like, man, maybe they're late for work, or maybe they've had a rough morning, or, or maybe they're a new driver, or, or maybe they're older and their reflexes just aren't there as fast as it used to be, whatever the case. And, and we give no grace to that situation. But when it comes to us, 
We give all the reasons in the world. Uh, they actually did studies. Um, and in one study, when something bad happened to someone else, subjects blamed that person's behavior or personality 65% of the time. But when something bad happened to themselves, they blamed themselves only 44% of the time. Blaming the situation they were in much more often on others. And so I would say that fundamental attribution error is really just a part of our flesh, our fallen nature, the part of us that still needs Jesus to redeem. And, and I believe 100% that when we come to Christ, our spirit man is 100% redeemed. Um, you know, we died, our bodies are going to rest here, and our spirit is going to go directly to be with Jesus. It is 100% redeemed. But we still have a flesh that wants what it wants. We still have a mind that thinks how it thinks. And we still have a will that has not necessarily been brought under subjection to the will of God for our lives. So we have a lot of us that needs to die. <laughs> right? We have a lot of us that we need to put to death so that we become more and more like Jesus while we're walking here on earth. That's the journey. Come on. All right, so here's my encouragement. Judge actions, not intentions. You know, some people say, ah, oh, we're never to judge anything. Well, that's baloney. You know, you would be really unwise to not judge or assess a situation if someone continues to do something that's wrong. Right? It would be unwise to, if you struggle with a certain habit, and, and you see a friend that is always struggling with that habit and doesn't want to change, and you're like, I want to go hang out with that person. I, I can't judge them. It's wrong to judge. No, no, no. You can judge their actions. You can see a track record, and that's okay. That is not what Jesus was talking about. What Jesus was talking about is that someone does something, and you said, I know why they did that. It's because in their heart, they're this way. It's because they're a bad person. That is what Jesus is saying, do not judge. Only God can read hearts and minds, amen? So we can judge actions, but when it goes to intentions, we really need to take a step back. You know, someone says or does something, and we just, we kinda, we're kind of, again, that, that attribution error, we're kind of quick to give a reason for it. Well, they did that because they're this way. Well, maybe not. They did that because they don't like me. Yeah, right. They probably think you're wonderful. And yet this is so natural as human beings to do. It really is. And so at Harvest Church in Frazee, Minnesota, guess what? We are going to think the best about people, and we're going to think the best about their intentions. And, and when there's a... You know, a situation that happens and we're unsettled by it and we don't know why they did what they did, we're not going to assume we know why. We're going to go and ask them questions. Hey, you said this. You know, what did you mean by that? You know, what were you thinking exactly? You know, you, you did this. How come? Like, I, I just, it kind of struck me the wrong way. Why did you do that? And, and let me tell you, if we could just do this and get past Minnesota nice... We would raise our level of unity overnight. Amen. 
the second thing that we're going to do is we are going to choose not to listen to gossip. We're going to choose not to listen to gossip. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. When your friend comes to you, and they do have something that's bugging them, and they want to spill their guts, and they're just angry and mad, whatever, it's okay to listen. But you know what it's not okay to do? is to take that any further. It is not, I mean, you can be a friend. But I want to encourage you, don't step in and play the hero. Right? This is another thing sociologists say. We play the hero, we think we're heroic by, 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 oh, you're right, you're right, they are big, mean people. No, don't give them sympathy. You are a better friend if you don't play the hero and you say, hey, Betty over there hurt your feelings? I want to take you, let's go talk with Betty right now. I'm going to be a true friend and I'm going to help close the loop and we're going to go talk to Betty. Or, hey, I don't even need to be involved. Would you go, you need to go talk to Betty. You need to make this right. If, if we could step out and not play the hero and, and help each other overcome our, our own offenses and wounds, family, we would grow in unity overnight. We would. Because then, then we're not passing that stuff on. Because the Bible teaches in Proverbs that, that gossip is like a tasty morsel. And it is! <laughs> I know from experience! What? Tell me more. They did what? Huh? Tell me more. Oh, that's interesting. I bet I'll know why they did that. Let me assign an intention to them that's probably not true. <laughs> All right. You guys get the point? The third thing that we can do is just choose not to be offended. Just choose not to be offended. People have bad days, right? We, you know, especially if we've been, like, hurt emotionally in a big way, it's really easy to look at anything and say, I'm offended by that. I'm offended by that. I'm offended. You know, if we want to, we could be offended 24-7. Just turn on the TV. I'm offended by that. You guys, we need to grow some thicker skin. We need to be like ducks and let it wash off our back. Thick skin, soft heart. We need to have thick skin and soft heart. We can choose not to be offended. Someone does anything, you can say, you know what, I don't know why they did that. Yeah, it was a little, you know, strange, it was a little off for them. I don't have to be upset about this. Okay, but let's, all right. Let's say it is continued. Let's say it's a continued thing. Well, you know what we're going to do then? We're going to be direct. We're going to go to that person in love. We're going to speak the truth in love, and we're going to say, hey, I've noticed that when we come together on Sunday mornings, that you just seem upset a lot. What, what's going on? You know, you said this to me, and it kind of hurt. Did, what was that about, you know? And we're going to be direct with people and ask questions and say, what's happening here? And you know what? I really don't know a time in my life where I've done this the right way that it's backfired on me. 
But if it does, and the person said, well, I did that because you're a jerk, well, you can say, what do you mean by that? (laughs) And we can have a deeper discussion. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you do have to part ways. Sometimes there's, there's times when you have to say, I'm sorry, like, we, we're, we don't see eye to eye in this. I don't know that we ever will. Um, but we've at least done our part, right? We've, and then if we're part of the church, guess what? We still have common identity, common purpose, right? We can still be God's people and not necessarily be best friends all the time, right? We can still love each other and not necessarily be like, hey, let's get together after potluck and watch the game together. It's okay. It's okay. But we are going to learn how to be direct with each other. In Ephesians 4, verse 25, I think that's the second one in Kyle. Ephesians 4, 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. What is falsehood? Well, when someone asks what's wrong, you say, nothing, I'm fine. (laughs) Right? Another Minnesota nice thing. Now, I'm not saying you need to bring up the baggage right in the moment. Like, you know, we don't want fist fights out in the fellowship hall. (laughs) But, you know, you can say, hey, you know, yeah, something's been bugging me. Can we get together and talk? Can we get, can we make things, let's just make things right. And then we speak directly and honestly. And, and, you know, it says in verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who, are, who listen. Such good scripture there, you guys. So as we end, I just have a declaration that, I want to believe for us using the points that we have today. Let's go to the last slide there. Because we desire to be a people who walk in God's anointing, refreshing, and life, we will strive to be a unified church. We will fight for unity by first, thinking the best of people. Second, choosing not to listen to gossip. Third, choosing not to be offended. And fourth, being direct. You know what, guys? We can do it. We can do it. Are we going to get it perfectly? No. No, we're going to mess up. But you know what? Our direction will be changed. You know, we're going to choose to get past the Minnesota nice. And we're going to love each other for real. And I guarantee you that if we apply these things, our level of unity in 2024 will will literally reach the skies. And God's spirit and blessing and anointing will be even greater. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you so much for your people. God, Lord, you love us, Lord. I just thank you, God, that you love us where we're at today. But Lord, you also call us to where you're at. You call us, Lord, to a deeper place, to a place where uh, we are walking in 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 more honesty and in more truth-telling. And Father, we're not afraid to ruffle feathers sometimes in order to be peacemakers. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, you give us wisdom in how we do this. Lord, you let us be led by your Spirit uh, so that we do this in the right way, in the right time, that we would speak truth to each other in love. 
But Lord, that we wouldn't just let things slide either. Father, that we, we wouldn't just let things sit on the back burner and it's really upsetting us for a long time. Lord, help us to be more direct and to talk through these things. God, I bless your people today. I thank you so much for each one of them, Lord. Draw us together as your people in greater and greater ways we ask. In Jesus' name.